Welcome to Parent to Parent, real-life tips to raise resilient kids. A podcast from Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown. This is Chrissy Jambowski, and I have two young kids. And I'm Beth Ann Sinelli, and I have two adult kids. Together, we'll meet with experts and fellow parents to share personal stories and provide support and actionable steps to strengthen your family and raise healthy kids. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to Parent to Parent. This is Chrissy. And this is Beth Ann. And today we have Dr. Lou Bevilacqua here with us. Lou is the owner and CEO of Sonari Today, a CTC collective partner. And Lou also sits on the board of directors of Communities That Care. Welcome, Lou. Well, thank you, ladies. It's good to be here. So I think that for our topic today, and and maybe to get some background also about you and about Sonari today, is if you could tell us a little bit about your organization um, and the resources and programs that are available for families and for youth. Wonderful. Well, Sonari today started back in 2006. 16 when we opened our first doors. Um, we have a lot of different services for children, adolescents, and families, adults. Um, we do various types of services. We have outpatient care. Um, we have intensive outpatient care. Um, in our Delaware office, we have a partial hospital. Um, but we also offer Sonari functional medicine, um, which most people who are struggling with some kind of depression or anxiety also struggle with eating um, habits, um, sleep habits um, that are not going so well. And so our functional medicine doctor, Dr. Kate Henry, um, has been integral in helping people um, get those issues resolved. Um, and so we have psychiatry, we also have life coaching, um, and we um, also do various uh, uh, educational programs. So we do parent workshops, we do other workshops for the community, um, depending on the month. So a lot of different things that we offer through Scenario. Lots of things. Yeah, it's a very whole, it sounds like a very holistic approach. Absolutely. That is really our part of our vision um, is to treat people from a holistic perspective. Um, it's not just about helping people, you know, change their mindset so that they can think a different way and feel different, but it's also from a physical perspective. Um, the, the gut and the brain and the f- movement um, as well as mind mindset is, is really what we try to target. And that's, and that's a lot too of, you know, probably plays into our topic for today, which is emotional regulation. Um, and so, and this is something too, you know, we're starting with our first couple episodes, really talking about things that sort of have become buzzwords. Um, and you know, and something that I see a lot is the phrase emotional regulation being emotionally dysregulated or like what I talk and say to my kids Mm -hmm. is like, you're having big feelings. It's okay to have big feelings, but you can't hit this person or throw that or do that thing. Um, you can, your feelings are okay, but you can't do X, Y, Z with your your actions. Um, but thinking of emotional regulation, you know, we're hearing this term come about. So we wanted to talk about it today and kind of break it down since it's thrown around a lot. Um, and I see it just in the world of parenting and Instagram and those types of things. So as the expert, Dr. Lou, can you (laughs) kind of explain to us, like, what does this term mean? Like what is emotional regulation and also why is it so important? Well, emotional regulation is really what it, 
what it says, right? It's regulating anyone's emotions. But the, the key is like, you might be very subdued and somebody else might be very energetic. And so they might be looking at each other very differently. And you might say the person who's very energetic needs to regulate those emotions because mm. they're too much for me. Um, so sometimes regulating is based on how we're actually perceiving everybody else. So what happens in our environment affects us. So those things around us will either, you know, energize us, get us overwhelmed or relax us. Mm -hmm. And so some of the emotional regulation can be within our control and others are outside of our control. So for example, if you're talking about children and you're at home and everybody's screaming and they're running around, they're needing some kind of regulation there. And usually the parents will come in and say, settle down, sit down, you know, stop doing this, stop doing that. And we're trying to regulate their emotions and their behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes it's important to recognize the difference. Mm -hmm. uh, our emotions are our feelings, but our actions are our behavior. So sometimes we have to regulate both things. And so part of it is recognizing well, what's the emotional piece of it? It's it's our internal feelings of what's going on around us. And sometimes that is, like I said, a direct result of what our environment is presenting to us. But sometimes it's also an internal process. You know, did we eat that day? What do we eat that day? Have we been hydrating? You know, did we sleep well? Those are other factors that also contribute to our our regulation of our emotions and our physical reactions to things. So that's, that's kind of what most of the time we're talking about emotional regulation pertains to. But why is it so important that like, cause that's what I feel like the narrative is, is like, how do we as parents support our kids? But I also think really, for ourselves, like trying to manage and cope with our own feelings and emotions. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. And I think we're going to talk about that, like how to build mm -hmm. those skills. But I guess yeah. I, I feel like the narrative a lot is like, your kid is dysregulated and this is how you're supposed to deal with it. And you want to teach them to be regulated. Like I, I do, do you understand what I'm saying? Like that narrative is very much out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a buzzword like you're pointing out. And I think it's because we're trying to calm people down mm -hmm. as well as ourselves. Oftentimes mm -hmm. our own anxiety is because somebody else is doing something that's upsetting us right Correct. <laughs> so we're becoming anxious over you uh -huh. and so we're trying to control you like trying to control our kids either in the classroom or in the home mm -hmm. going to bed like just just turn off and go to sleep kind of thing and sometimes what we're trying to do is kind of feel better ourselves mm -hmm. and and that's a big part of our day, right? Throughout our day, our emotions are all over the place. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we may not even notice what our emotions are, but they're fluctuating throughout the day. And so that's why it's really important that we tune in and be present and be noticing what's going on within ourselves because that's the only thing we can really control. Mm -hmm. As much as we want to control yeah. our kids, that's a harder yeah. challenge. So I think that as we're talking a little bit about this parent and kid um, side, 
of emotional regulation. Uh, how does it really differ through the as from from childhood to adulthood? Because the thing that I'm really curious about with this is, you know, are these are these learned behaviors mm. in in any way? Are they modeled yes. behaviors? Right? Um, are they just also, as you mentioned earlier, Lou, when we started the podcast, um, is it personality driven that you know we are different? So some of us, whether it's we're calmer, we're more energized, we're loud, we're not as loud, all of those, like what part of it's personality, what part of it's modeled and learned emotional behavior at appropriate, and how does it like change? Can it change? You know, or is it so programmed in you from just your, I don't know, DNA programmed or just it's modeled for so long in your life that you just, because how many times have I said, oh my God, I hear myself sounding like my mother. Oh my God. <laughs> I, you know, like how much of it, well, or it, I, or I do the thing where it's like, it's coming out of my mouth and there's a part of my brain saying, stop it right now. Cause you, you know, <laughs> But I can't. Yeah, you I'm can't. Like, yeah. The train is left. I'm on a roll, and I am just, I'm rolling with this, even though I know better. Okay, that's a yeah. lot I just asked you, but. Well, so, the answer to, to your questions are yes, all of the above, right? So okay. each of us have our own personalities. Each of us have our own DNA, yet we also have our own experiences in life. And so we have modeling that starts at a very young age, you know, infants. And we also have all of that biochemical makeup that contributes to our personality and our behaviors and the way we present ourselves and the way we will then function in the world. So obviously that does change, right? We're, we're not throwing, well, <laughs> most of us are not still throwing tantrums when we're adults, but some do, right? So mm -hmm. it, the idea that we will change over time is all part of development. And as we develop, you know, our brain develops, you know, our bodies develop and our maturity becomes a part of the equation here that helps us to regulate our emotions and also deal with life situations. And we learn, well, it's okay to yell at a sports game, but it's not okay to yell at church where we learn different things through our experiences. Now, if we're, you know, two or three, it's hard to explain to a child that's two or three, this is okay here, but not okay there. Right. They need that's a right. lot of reinforcement yeah. from a, a, a cognitive perspective. They're not, understanding those things they're still in that black and white phase of learning oh i'll get in trouble yeah. if i do this right so as we grow up we learn to understand things from different perspectives mm -hmm. and then we're able to utilize our feedback in, in our environment but also when when people get together right as couples you may have grown up in a house where everybody yells Right. If you're coming from a house of one of seven kids and everybody's yelling and talking really loud and all over top of each other, that's just normal. That's just the way it is. Well, if uh -huh. you come from a single family and you're living and, and you're, you're meeting up with this person, very different life expect expectations and experiences might have very different personalities of how things happen. And so now we may be interpreting, well, you're yelling at each other all the time. And we interpret that as you're mad at each other. And 
this person's like, no, this is just how we talk to each other. Right. 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 So a lot of it has to do with communication, being able to clarify what is our intent and what is actually going on. And part of that is our understanding of what's going on too. So if we're in a situation where we think this is dangerous, we're going to respond a certain way, right? So our emotions have to be regulated based on our perception of what's going on. So if we are trying to teach our kids how to regulate their emotions, one of the things that we have to understand is how are we feeling? Right. Because right. we want to make sure that we're not trying to deal with our own emotion first and, you know, worrying about that, putting it on them. Right. Is this yeah. ours? And yeah. then secondly, what is their understanding of the situation? Because that can explain how they're reacting. Yeah. So if they're really scared and they're, you know, acting up mm-hmm. and have the, all this anxiety and we're telling them, sit down, right, relax. Yeah. But they're really right. anxious. Well, then that informs us as to how do they need to regulate their emotion? Because mm. we have to understand what is the right emotion. Because if I'm interpreting that as this kid just won't sit still and he won't behave, but the reality is they're really anxious. Mm-hmm. Well, two different ways of managing or regulating that emotion because it's a different emotion. Got it. That's good. But I, I got to, I, so I have this other question, right? I get this. I, I don't even know. This might be, like be coming up here in a little bit. But um, when we spend time, so I'm thinking about these situations with parents and kids' interactions. And if we spend time with a lot of this talk, like the questions, like, so why are you feeling this way? And what may, and all of this. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing? Because I get, I understand what we're trying to get to, but but sometimes in some situations, I feel like there's just too much talk. Absolutely. Like enough. So I, I mean, do typical you, therapist like, reaction here, it depends, <laughs> right? I know. I, I it depends. But okay. yeah, I, I think there are definitely situations in which we spend way too much time talking and processing when it's just stop it. That's it. Like right? enough. Yeah. Enough. But, I feel mean asking it the question that way. Um, but that's I'm sure also my children re- would have a different, perhaps I was different than I think I was, but I don't know. But that's also a way of regulating, right? Setting a boundary is part of yeah. regulating emotion. If I don't have those boundaries, it's very tough then for me to regulate my emotions because I have nothing holding me. You know, part of dysregulation has to do oh. with feeling unsafe. Mm. Oh, is why right. children often need structure. Mm-hmm. They need viability. Right. They need dependability. So if I know this is what's going to happen if I do this, that's settling. That's calming in some ways. Might be frustrating because I don't yeah. want it. I don't want but it. But if I learn to expect it, same for adults, right? The more we have a routine in life, the more consistent we stay to that routine, the better life is. When our routine changes, it throws us off and it it affects us, right? It, it yeah. changes our emotional reaction to things because we're not as smooth. We're not as yeah. even keeled. So the same thing has to be for, for kids. So Do we need to talk about things? Yeah, we need to talk about 
how this might be impacting us or whatever this is. We have to Mm -hmm. identify it. And if we can identify it, then at least we're working on the same page. But to your point, Bethann, we, we do spend too much time talking too. you know, if, if we're constantly just processing this, I don't know if it's (laughs) teaching anybody how to regulate their emotion. It's avoiding, you know, getting in trouble maybe, (laughs) or it's processing it in a prolonged fashion, but do we need to, I don't, I don't know. And how many times do we need to do that? Right. Right. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not an advocate of saying, you know, just swallow your emotions. Don't pay attention to them. Move on. Have no affect. Like just, you know, get your crap together. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going, you know, there's a balance here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of, you know, the whole swallow your emotion thing, but then I'm also not, sometimes I feel it's, it's too much, too much chat, too much Mm -hmm. talk, too much. How are you feeling? Well, regulating really is another word for that is balance. Yeah, right. That's it. So it it does take a balance of, of talking yet action too, or non-action. Sometimes, you know, a really big piece of emotional regulation is just being present. Mm. Just being. Yeah. We have a really hard time with that, with all the social media that happens, Mm -hmm. with all of the technology Mm -hmm. that happens, with all of the American culture in particular that is so focused on, I want it now, like instant. Yes. Yes. It it really affects our ability to regulate our emotion because we are then kind of trained to expect everything right now. Yes. And like I was saying before, having that consistency and that expectant behavior to follow is really what helps us regulate. So if we're used to getting everything right now, Mm -hmm. well, when it doesn't happen, that dysregulates us. Yep. And just as an aside, have you seen a shift in your clients, like young people, like kid clients over the past, like 10, 15, 20, you know, some odd years just from hat, like, cause I definitely think, I mean, and I guess this is what all parents do is like, well, I remember back when I was a kid, X, Y, Z, blah, blah. You know, we say to my kid, like, hey, we got to watch a show when it was on TV. Like we didn't have 5,000 things on demand Uh, at our fingertips every single second. There were a lot more external boundaries and things that existed in even the smallest, like minutia of life of like just watching a show. Like we didn't Mm -hmm. have so many things so convenient and fast and on demand. Um, Yeah. So like, have you just as a, have you seen a shift? Uh, do you think because huge shift, a huge okay. shift as you know, it, it's, it's a great thing to have options, mm-hmm. but if you go to a restaurant and the menu is eight pages long, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but that's overwhelming. Oh, I'm I, it, that makes it really hard for me to pick what yeah, I really yeah. want. So it it's the same in life. We have so many things on the TV to pick from. You I mean two thousand channels to pick from? I mean, like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> That's right. And, and because we have that ability to choose, it can help us. But if we have too much, then it it creates a, a feeling of being overwhelmed and stressed. Yeah. So 
when I was saying before about having predictability and having reliability for kids, that's, that's really what it's about. If I give a kid, you know, 15 choices of what they can eat for dinner, I'm going to be there a long time, right? They won't pick it or I'll have five kids each picking a different thing. Right. And so it's important to, to narrow down our choices and then, be able to go from there because that settles us. It gives us a little bit more control. If I have too much mm-hmm. then I feel more out of most people, I, w- I won't say that as a general statement, but most people will feel more out of control when you have too much to choose from. Mm-hmm. So yes, it, it definitely has changed over the years. And do you feel like asking for a friend thinking of things happening in my house <laughs> with my Ever emerging tween. Um, it just like I, I just as you're talking, I'm just, you know, and it has to do with tech and it somehow like slipped away from us that it, and I don't even know how this happened, probably from friends and seeing what they're doing. But like my fourth grader just somehow was like, oh, well, I just did this with this game. And, and we have structure around like access to games they're allowed to play and things that they're allowed to, you know, what they're allowed to go on and not go on and time allotted per day for screen time and those types of things. But I almost see this thing of like, there's so many options and he gets anxious because he wants to do all of the things all of the time. And it's, and I just am like, but here's the thing. So now I'm like, I'm going to have to take this thing. They do not know this is coming and it's going to be, real lots of big feelings. And I just have to be like dead face. Like, okay, I'm sorry. You feel Mm -hmm. that way. You can be mad about this, but it's my job to keep you safe and make sure that your brain is protected. I'm so sorry. But (laughs) like, it's just, I'm sorry that you, I'm the mom that you have, but that's the rule in our family, whatever, because I'm, I am anticipate me with my own anxiety and putting this off, putting this off, even though I'm like, we got to slim this down. School's back in session. You have two options. You can do Netflix and Disney plus, and that's it. You don't need to have 50,000 other things to access because, right. And it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be scary. Dr. Lou, <laughs> I'm a little, it's just so like talking through it in real life. Like it's my anxiety putting this off because I don't want to deal with the fallout of this kid's absolute emotional yeah, anxiety emotional. wreckage oh. of it. But I think it would be better for them in the end because I think it would be lessening options, lessening choices, lessening overwhelm, stress about feeling like you have to do all of these things. I don't know. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. Wow. Several things. First of all, as parents, it's important for us to think through what we plan to do, Mm -hmm. right? And not that we can't ever, you know, retrace our steps or change our mind or, you know, change our actions. But if we can think these things through and have certain reasons as to why we're doing them, then it allows us to feel more secure in following through with it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's basically buying into your decision. Mm -hmm. The more that you can explain to yourself why I'm doing this, the better. That's the first thing. Second thing, you're looking out for your child. Now, it's important. That's our main job as parent, right, to protect our children. And what we're recognizing is that when children or even adults have 
too many things going on at once, we really can't decide on things and we really can't focus on things and we really can't settle down because of the the stimuli. It's just too much. It's kind of like try to sing the ABCs and read a paragraph at the same time while somebody's talking to you. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to do it, Mm -mm. right? We think we multitask. We don't. We do many tasks after each other. Okay? So just to clarify that thing. But yeah. when when we're trying to protect our kids and help and regulate their emotion, one of the things that we want to teach them is to narrow down our field of what we're dealing with, of what we're trying to address. It's kind of like, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time, right? right? You can't do it any other way. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's a problem solving process. We, we need to identify what the problem is, identify the options, pick one, right? We got to pick it and then we got to do it. Mm-hmm. Same thing. If we can identify what it is we're picking and choosing to do, it supports our belief and it aligns us with our behavior, which keeps us congruent, which allows us to follow through with things. Mm-hmm. So as a parent, that's really helpful. Once we do that with our kids, Again, to your point before, Bethann, how much talking do you want to do? I can explain it to you, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to explain it 15 times, mm-hmm. right? At some point, we have to say, this is the decision. Here are your options. You mm-hmm. get three things to choose from because three is easier than 300, right? And, you know, on Mondays, you can have these three, but on Tuesday, you can have these three. So throughout the week, you can actually have 21 different options oh, to choose from, mm-hmm. right? But each day, we're only going to focus on three. Mm-hmm. So it's a different way of breaking it down, a different way of approaching it. But just keeping in mind that to regulate someone's emotions and to teach them how to do that, we need to set up certain parameters, certain boundaries, so that they can feel a little safer in then making their own decisions. Mm. Okay. I know what to do. I think not that I'm totally <laughs> like bogarting our podcast for my own personal therapy <laughs> for my family. Well, it's for your friends. <laughs> well, it's for, for my friend. friend. That's right. I was asking friend. for, well, I feel like this is a common challenge though, because it then it's the thing yeah, where like, absolutely. we're mad at the situation, but then it's like, hold up. I'm the parent. Why, why am I getting mad and replaying the same annoying situation? Because like, it's just the kid ends up being very cranky and all, like, and I'm looking at it and I'm just th- like, just as you were talking, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, this is probably one of the root causes of that. Like of mm-hmm. just thinking of, you know, day to day. And I hope like, oh, well, school's starting. So that'll offset it. Oh, well, which is true. Cause it'll, there's not enough, well. it's not summertime, you know, and activities and things, but mm-hmm. It is the thing. Yeah, I like that. That's your. I like that. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to talk about, you know, we've kind of talked through this a little bit about building those skills to manage Mm -hmm. our big feelings. And maybe we can touch upon to just thinking of this kind of also kind of just to do's for ourselves. Cause I can just think as we're talking about instances where we're the ones that are being triggered oftentimes by our kids, our kids actions and things are triggering yeah. us as parents where we're just like, 
And that can come out maybe as a tantrum, maybe as harsh words, maybe us losing it and kind of going back and being like, oh, I wish I didn't say that. So let's talk about that. When we get back, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're enjoying our podcast, an easy way to support Parent to Parent is by sharing it with a friend. You can send it to them in a text from your phone or even better, post an episode you liked on social media. Maybe it's this one. Our goal is to increase education and awareness among parents. And as we always say, you don't know what you don't know. And some people may not know we are out there. Any shout outs and sharing is appreciated. Thanks. And let's get back to our conversation. So we're back. And after the break, what I'd like to talk about is this idea. We mentioned this before the break about um, the term dysregulated and what causes parents and kids to feel dysregulated. And my observation has been that during the pandemic and particularly this past school year, as we sort of returned back to a semi-normal routine of school, uh, we've heard from teachers, um, professionals, and from parents that they felt like this idea of big feelings and dysregulated and regulating feelings has worsened. And the blame was put on the pandemic and we were home and we weren't around other people very much. And our kids weren't in a classroom setting where they sort of learned to regulate their behaviors because it just happened that when you're in a group setting and you're around other people, those sort of norms just, you you observe them, you absorb it, and you react appropriately. And we also hear from parents that my kid can be great at school and the teacher never notices these behaviors, these inappropriate emotional outbursts. But when they come home, they just implode. So I guess this idea for me of dysregulated behavior, I'm curious of the impact the pandemic and being home did. And then I'm also interested in this phenomenon that I even heard when my kids 20 years ago were in school, graded at at school, Uh awful at home and situational. Mm -hmm. So there's my multi question question. question. One of the things to to keep in mind that this pandemic was worldwide, right? It happened to all of us. So anytime we experience change, it, it throws us off a little bit. We have an adjustment. But normally if something goes and changes such as, you know, oh, we were supposed to have that meeting today, but it got changed to later today, or it got changed to tomorrow. It didn't get changed to two years later, right? It's a big difference. So we, we went through this process of being and acting and doing things a certain way. And then all of a sudden the world changed right? How we talk to one another, how we got together with one another, how we got our food, whether we went out, whether we went on vacation, whether we went to school, whether we got on a bus, like all of these things changed. A lot of things that changed. And that's a huge impact on us. However, over the time that we've been experiencing this, we started to create a new norm. Right. So all of these things that we thought were weird and crazy, we adapted to and started living our life accordingly. But now we are looking at we're coming out of COVID mm-hmm. and we're coming mm-hmm. out of this pandemic. Yeah. And things are changing again. Mm-hmm. We're going 
back to school. We're going on vacation. We're going out to eat. We're getting on buses. We're doing all the things we used to do. Well, even though it's back to normal in some ways, mm-hmm. it's a huge change because for two years or more, we've been doing things a certain way. And now we've changed that. So anytime we have that kind of impact, that kind of change, that kind of disruption, Mm -hmm. it's going to dysregulate us. Mm -hmm. It's going to be difficult for us to then adapt and adjust to. So we're seeing this change and learning again of how to live or how to function or how to behave. You mentioned the idea of social modeling. The idea that when you're in a group, you kind of see how everybody else is acting and you kind of act accordingly. Well, uh, there's a majority of people acting a certain way. It's not the way they used to act Mm. in a school setting, in a group setting, because they haven't had groups in for for a long time. So now we're back to it and we're trying to create the norm again. So that's, that's a tough thing to adapt to and you probably will see that at different varying levels based on the ages and the experiences that people have had during these last two and a half years yeah yeah because i was really i'm not to blame anything on it but i think you know there are kids who um you know they're in third grade now just really starting to learn groups i mean they spent two years or so at home or mm-hmm. between school. So you've got this young group of kids who've really had very little experience being in a classroom and in a group setting. Right. And then I also think about kids, you know, transitioning middle school to high school and they spent a couple of years, not getting that natural, you know, changing peer groups and the natural norm, tra- you know, transitions mm-hmm. didn't occur the same way. Then I think you had kids who lived their best life yeah, because they're like, I can't stand, you know, I, I yeah, now there's school. Now there's stress because, <laughs> oh crap. Mm-hmm. Now I'm back in that again. I'm back in that world of peers and I don't know. So I find this. Well, adults too, you know, they got yeah. used to just being at home. Why do I have to go to the office? Yeah, I, We've I'm been sure doing this for two years. Yeah. Company's still standing, right? Yeah. I don't yep. need to go to work. Mm-hmm. I can do it right from my living room. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when it comes to your emotions, if you, if there is something going on, it's like, well, I can just go out and take a walk now, or I can go yeah. take a nap, or I can read a book. Kids were able to do that too, to some degree, because school was not all day. I can turn, right? yeah. I can turn that screen off. I know. I can't do that now. I'm in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all those things. So you know, I even said this to to Chrissy. I had to go to an in person meeting last week, and I, you know, I was yeah, I was bored, and it was difficult, and I just wanted to get up so bad. Like I physically was like, I'm just going to walk out. I'm like, I can't do that. Like (laughs) if I was home and Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, and I just had my AirPods in and I was doing something else like participating, like I was like, oh, I got to behave appropriately. Like you cannot just get up and leave this meeting because you're bored Mm -hmm. or it's you're aggravated at this moment. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn to regulate your emotion. I had to look interested. I had to look yeah. like I was behaving appropriately. But that's the same experience that children are having, right? That are now back in a classroom. Uh-huh. They, they're bored or they're irritated or they want to go get a drink or they want to go do something or they want to play with a fidget or they want to get on their phone. And they yeah. technically can't 
or they're going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like that isn't that like the phenomenon. It's called like uh, emotional restraint or something. It's like there's something a term for it. Like we're like what you were saying, Bethany. When kids come home, they'll be fine all day at school. And when they mm-hmm. come home, it's just like they're throwing up every emotion they felt all day and like breaking down and losing it on you yeah. as the parent. And you're like, you're safe, I guess. Yeah. And, and I guess, is that the nod to the parents? Because if, if your kids are feel like they're able to act like that, then it means you're like a quote unquote safe space for them. So they feel right. like they can just like throw up like the six hours of feelings that they kind of had to hold together like all day at school because now they're home. So they can like let it all hang out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, same thing for you, Bethann. Probably when you finally got in the car and drove, <laughs> were driving back, you were like, oh, that's Chrissy. Was- I, I, Chrissy <laughs> called me and, and I answered the phone. I went, hello. And then I just went, Bleh! you know, driving yeah. home. Yeah. Like, I just like, uh, yeah. every emotion of the last two hours came pouring out. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like, true. I guess on the opposite end, you know, there's certain things. So it's sounding to me like things that can trigger us having big feelings, feeling dysregulated could be our own personal triggers from environmental things or things that like just make us feel, um, triggered, I guess you could say, uh, of uh, different things that varies from person to person. It could be change seems like a really big one transitions, which is why I think the beginning of school is so great, but it also is like, Mm -hmm. you need a full month just to like, everyone's exhausted. You're getting into the groove. You're not really in the routine until probably the end of September, October. Like it takes a while for everybody to acclimate. Um, but I did want to ask though, is that are some kids just more naturally up and down and up and down? Cause I definitely see this with one of my kids that they are able to just like flip on a dime, like it within, Mm -hmm just they're fine and fine and then you say one thing and then they're like automatically fast into tears just like borrowing and I don't know if that's they just run anxious which genetically would not be very surprising if that was the case (laughs) but like just that they just uh, like you say one thing and then they're like well then this is gonna happen this is gonna happen and within a minute they're hysterical like is it just very are some people just hardwired that they need a little more help with these skills. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Literally it's cellular. Actually, there's a lot of work nowadays that talks about our cells and what's within those cells is a a big contributor to personality and behavior and how we react to things. So it's, it's not all them, but it is them. Mm -hmm. Right. So different kids will have different, emotional responses and reactions to things. And some of it is from a cellular level. Some of it is a social learned behavioral level. Some of it is, did they eat well that day? Are they um, uh, hydrated? Did they sleep well? Um, You know, did they just have a fight with somebody and now they're reacting to that and it's taking it out on you. Like, so there's various environmental physiological, cellular, a lot of different factors. Hmm. Okay. So if you do have a kid that runs this way and even, and if they are a kid, 
asking for a friend that maybe in school they are fine. Like there would be no SAP referral. Like you wouldn't know the difference, but you see a lot of these kind of running anxious behaviors at home. Is that a thing where you let it ride or do you intervene sooner than later with maybe seeing a professional and kind of just getting an assessment just to see if it makes sense or not? Well, because again, it goes back to like, how much do we talk about things? How much are we like doctor Googling diagnosing kids with things? Or is it just a normal (laughs) hormonal change type? Let me answer it this way. That's a good if question. you have a cough mm-hmm. or a runny nose mm-hmm. and it only happens at night mm-hmm. and it goes on for a week, two weeks, mm-hmm. you yes. run it by somebody, yeah. right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, you're typically not asking, you know, the person at the grocery store, you're <laughs> going to ask you know, a nurse no. or primary care uh-huh. or somebody in the medical Facebook. field or somebody in the health field, uh-huh. right? If you have a sore muscle mm-hmm. and you just slept on it wrong, mm-hmm. but two weeks later it's still sore and it's still limiting you, aren't you going to go see a physical therapist? Mm-hmm. Yep. There are certain things that it's interesting that we do. Your car. <laughs> Right. If your car's not running quite right, you're taking it in. Mm-hmm. Yet so often we as individuals look at our mental health and say, ah, oh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. That's just the way they are. It's going to be if you don't do anything. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So it, we, yeah. we need to, you know, we have all these signs out there that your mental health matters, <laughs> that this matters, that you matter. Well, <laughs> If you matter, uh-huh. then you should do something about it. You should take action. That's you right. Take action. Yeah, that's good. All right, Dr. Lou, sucking up all the knowledge today, taking all uh, my notes, writing okay. down all my notes. Yeah. So in these situations then, Lou, so, you know, we have this, what we just talked about, you know, the, the seeking more information, seeking help, following through. Are there things at home? that parents can do that we can do for ourselves that would be skill building like regulation skill building yeah that and what would be you know a couple of those things that parents can be doing that would help them and help their kids you know one of the greatest things that we do for our kids is model for them right right and it's really important we've talked about this a couple times today noticing our own reactions noticing is this my anxiety or is it my child's anxiety is it my anger is it their anger or is it both right it can be both but if we're not tuning into ourselves we're it, it's it's the old routine of you got to put your own uh, uh oxygen, oxygen mask, mask on first right, before right you put it on your your kid next to you we need to look in the mirror and take stock of what are our needs and are we meeting them? Are we doing what we need for us? Because if I'm not showing the best version of me and it doesn't have to be the best all the time, right? I'm not talking perfection, but if we're not taking care of us, we're not demonstrating to our kids that we're important, which they then learn can learn Mm -hmm. that they're not important, Mm -hmm. that it's always important to, either take care of somebody else or, or the message could be your emotions don't matter. Right. Self-care doesn't. So it's, it's important to recognize as a parent, what is the message we want our kids to have? What is 
something that's important that they need to learn. You know, in, in running a company, one of the things that is my primary task is creating a culture. Mm. And for my staff and team to know what that culture is, I first need to tell them, right? I have to tell them what are the core values. I have to explain them. I have to demonstrate them. I have to show them when they're, they're occurring. We need to do that in our families too. And so if emotional regulation is important, we want to teach our kids that, then when we are regulating ourselves, we need to identify that and share that with our kids. We model it from our behaviors, but it's also important for us to communicate it verbally and say, I just needed to take a breath right there because I was, I was getting a little overwhelmed. I was feeling a little running a little high and I, I just needed to, to settle myself down a little bit, you know, and talking to our kids about who we are and what we do and how we do those things is one of our greatest opportunities in raising kids is to teach them how we, how, how to be, how to, yeah. what kind of person do we want our kids to be? Mm. Right. Yes, what- I, and one, one follow-up to that. I, I just uh, was thinking about this, Lou, when you were talking about all of these uh, at home, what you went through, just, just described that both parents, assuming that, you know, if there are you know two yeah. parents in the home yeah. going through this or whoever that is, You've now had because you you said this at the very beginning of the podcast. You know we bring as parents our experiences to how we we communicate, how we handle our emotions, and what's normal, right. what's not normal. So you also have to then not only are you have your child or children that you're setting the stage for like how we do this, but now you have to also get that other person who yeah. perhaps did not have the same reaction that you did to things. Right. So yeah. maybe you're, so that, they, that, because I think that a lot of times, and I'll just do this from the mom role. If, if, if moms are the ones that are around the kids the most and are engaging in all of these things with them before school, after school, all of this summer days. And my observation has been that there's a reaction to mom or that mm. primary person could be dad, whoever that person is all the time. And when the other one comes in to the situation, sometimes the situation is corrected immediately mm. because this person is not the one always blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Healing. So here she flies in and the kids, you automatically get the reaction you wanted mm-hmm. because it's this person and not you with the, who they've now droned out. <laughs> For so much time, right? So that's a weird thing. Like that's a whole nother dynamic. Absolutely. Two person household, mom, mom, dad, dad, mom, dad, or single parent with a grandparent. I don't care. But anytime that other person comes in, if they do, that creates a whole different, why do you get that response difference? Well, because as you pointed out, we have two different people, right? And it's important to, to try to be on the same page. You know, it's important as parents to to unify. Everybody always talks about that, right? Yes. But the, yeah. the fact is, we have two individuals. They're, they're individuals, right? They're separate. So they have their own experiences. They have their own belief systems. They have their own perceptions about things. They have their own way of doing things. Now, hopefully, if you've gotten together and married, you share a lot. 
right? And so you have the same views on a lot of things. You have the same perspective on a lot of things. I mean, that's part of the attraction, right? So hopefully you're able to communicate with one another enough and be clear with one another and supportive of one another that you present in a more unified way. Mm -hmm. But that's not always the case. And so to your point, Bethann, when two people come in to a room and they have different perspectives and different reactions and different ways of handling things and they're not supportive of the other, well, that just creates chaos, Mm -hmm. right? And so the kids or the other individuals who are in that room are just kind of waiting for them to figure it out and they're, they're going to go do their own thing. Right. Yeah. Or you have the person who's the loudest is the one you kind of listen to in the moment and then you leave and then you got to do your own thing again. But to your point, if, if families can spend more time connecting with one another rather than devices and spend more time communicating with one another and sharing in activities together, doing things together, getting to know one another and being very clear and direct with what's expected, what are the values that this family has, you know, what is it that we want people to see and how we want to be, you know, that's, that's important stuff to be talking about with our kids. And if we're not doing that, they're making their own assumptions. They're growing up thinking this is the way it's supposed to be. And what's very interesting is they have explanations as to why it's supposed to be this way. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Explanations may have nothing to do with the what the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a really quick story that I, I always tell. Um, it's about a couple that get together and the, uh, the, the, the husband to be asks the fiance, what's your favorite meal to make? And she says a meatloaf. And he says, why? And she says, oh, because it's, you know, been handed down from generation to generation. She says, would you like me to make it? And he says, sure. So he watches her make it and he sees her get the meat together and all the different ingredients and mixing it all up and, you know, forming it like the meatloaf that it always is. And then all of a sudden she cuts off the ends of each meatloaf and puts it in a pan, puts it in the oven. He says, why'd you cut off the ends? And she says, well, that's, that's the way you do it. And he says, well, where did you learn? She says, you know, mom. And so the next Sunday they go to mom's and mom's making the meatloaf and she's watching her do it. And all of a sudden at the end, he sees her cut off the ends, puts it in the pan, puts it in the oven. She's why'd you do that? Mom says, well, that's the way, you know, it was taught. That's how the way it's been done. So they said, who who taught you? Grandma. We go to grandma's next Sunday. Grandma comes in. She does the same thing, cuts the meat, puts it in the pan. He says, wait, wait, stop. Why did you cut the meat? She says, my pan's only this big. (laughs) It's important for us to understand why do we do the things we do? do. If we don't explain Right. We just make our own assumption. We wow. just make up our own story. So we need to be clear and direct with our kids. Yeah, that's great. That's so great. That makes sense. So, I'll remember that. I will be picturing that. Uh-huh. In my, it's like a, I will also share that with my older children uh-huh. and ask them if I've made any of those assumptions. How yeah. many times does that okay. happen, though? That's so, good. So we like to, I love this conversation. 
like so many, so many notes have been taken in my brain from this conversation. <laughs> um, but Dr. Lou, we like to end every episode with what we call a take action tip. So this is something that our listeners, after they listen to this episode, they can walk away with and go greet their kids or, or you know, find them and see them and, and do something with them. So if you had one thing to share today with our listeners to do after they hear this, what would that be? Well, one thing is very hard. Um, it's, it's to just be present. You know, I was talking to my youngest daughter who's, who's 22, uh, the other day about kids. She does a lot of babysitting, nannying and stuff like that. She wants to be a nurse, all this stuff. And one of the things that she pointed out to me is that no matter what you do with kids, if you just play with them, they'll love you. Mm. Right. And it's not the actual play. It's the time. If I am focused on you and just looking at you and talking to you and being present with you, then I'm connected with you mm-hmm. and you're connected with me. And if we feel that connection, we create safety. And if we create safety, then I can talk to you. Mm-hmm. All the time I hear parents say, I just wish my kids would talk to me. Well, oftentimes, they're not talking because one, you're talking too much to Beth Ann's point earlier. And two, (laughs) it's because they don't feel that safety because of the connection. If I'm constantly doing my thing and then every once in a while I say, Oh, how are you doing, Chrissy? Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm back to my stuff. (laughs) I need to stay focused with you for a little bit and do something with you, whatever it is, doesn't matter. We can just, sit down and look at the grass. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything, but that's the hardest thing for parents because it's, it's almost a not doing, doing thing. Mm-hmm. It's just being present. It's one of the hardest things to do. I know raising kids is probably the hardest job to do, but just mm-hmm. being present with them is probably the hardest thing, but it's the most rewarding and it's also the most impactful. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm, that is hard, yeah, that's, that's great. Thing. I can, I, I can say that. Yes. I look back now and I, and I, um, I wish I'd done more of that, but mm. I feel like I must have done more than I think I did because of the relationship I now have with my adult kids. So yeah, I would. And I, and again, though, I just had this conversation with someone yesterday who has a newborn and I, I made the point that you're going to have to really work at that. Because yeah. I didn't have the distraction. Just did. Mm. I did not. We didn't have social media. Yeah. We didn't have cell phones. So even though my kids are 26 and 28, that was just becoming, it was just starting in their high school years. Mm-hmm. I could do more of what, Lou, what you just described. I yeah. could do more of the together time, the talking. I wasn't drawn to a bell dinging, mm-hmm. to a screen flashing, to somebody texting me. It wasn't there. So yeah. just that alone granted me the opportunity to do a ton of together time with no interruption. And I don't know how I would do it today. So I go to Chrissy and I say, that is that one thing that I wish for you that you weren't challenged with. She says it all the time. Yeah. I'm so happy True. the cell phones didn't and, exist when my kids yeah, were little. I miss trying. And miss then you didn't, you couldn't kids. work from home. There were a lot more external boundaries work. in our lives that yeah. existed. Yeah. And now they're very blurred. I got home and we were home. Yep. There was no work. Yep. 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 Very different. 
Very different. Yes. Um, oh, so I think one of the last things, thank you again, um, Lou, for doing it for this, for this time today. This has been a wonderful conversation, but I want to make sure that, yeah. And you got to hear a lot of our, for a friend, (laughs) that mystery friend, you know how your kids like have a, what were they called? Oh, imaginary friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Chrissy has those too. They're just for a friend. (laughs) Um, But I want to make sure that our listeners can find you. So if you could just briefly tell us um, how they could get more information about some of the things you described at the beginning of the podcast for Sonora today, that would be great. So uh, anybody can find Sonari today on the web um, at sonaritoday.com. That's S as in Sam, A as in Adam, N-A-R-E today.com. They can also call us at 610-344-9600. And any of those services that I mentioned, whether it's outpatient, IOP, PHP, functional medicine, psychiatry, life coaching, they're all available and accessible to you. um, And feel free to, to reach out anytime that you need or want. And my last question is, what does Sonare mean? We didn't ask you that. I know it hasn't been so. Well, for those of you who are Italian, you might have figured it out. But those who are not, it means to heal in in, uh, in Italian. Yeah. Yep. See? Oh, my gosh. And I have I had to ask that yeah. with our yeah. Italian heritage. I was like, I got to answer that question. Thank That's you. That's often a uh, trivia question we ask at uh, our holiday parties and oh, see how many that. people oh. actually know that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. I do yeah. too. This thank has you. been a great conversation, Lou. Thank you so much for taking the time to oh, share you. all of your knowledge and expertise. I feel like this will help a lot of parents just and a friend it'll help a lot of parents listening and a friend if it helps that friend we're good <laughs> i hope um, it goes well yeah thanks for having me yeah, it thank, was really fun this is I really enjoyed great it. yeah so thank you everyone for joining us today um you will find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes for this and you can also follow me on instagram and facebook that will also be linked up below um for more resources about the podcast the blog other resources from communities that care um also be sure to click on subscribe or follow in your podcast app that you're listening to us in so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes and if you're liking our pod we would love it if you would share it with someone um and also maybe tag us on social media write a review we would appreciate anything you want to share so we will talk to you in two weeks thank you so much take care thanks take care bye